Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jones, Bowden, he's got it, England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analysts Inside Cricket on a glorious Saturday morning in London. I'm Simon Hughes and Simon Mann, you're in Bristol. Yeah, it's equally fabulous here as well. Yours a good day for, for batting, I, I would say, or just a bit too cold for fielding. But as long as you can stay in the sun, though, it's OK. We've heard some uh, good extracts uh, for some classic commentary, one of which, of course, included you in that uh, amazing match at Headingley in 2019. Now, here's a little bit of commentary, experimental commentary, for how cricket coverage might sound later this summer. So Gregory to bowl his ninth ball of this over, and the batter swings at it, it's high in the air, and is caught on the boundary by Root at third. Well, it might be that the technical timeout paid off for the Rockets there. Originals are now 93 from 62 balls for three outs. What a series this is for Gregory, by the way. That's his 12th out. That, of course, was Jonathan Agnew on the BBC Today programme trying to imagine what it might be like commentating on the 100 with one or two ideas for new terminology which are being rumoured to be introduced. And we're going to discuss that later, whether it's right to have outs instead of wickets and changing the fielding position names as well. Does cricket need that complete revolution of terminology or is it all really uh, just trying a bit too hard? We'll discuss that in a little bit. We've also got Geoffrey Boycott's comments and thoughts on that particular issue, typically forthright, of course. He was our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club last Wednesday. And next Wednesday, we have Aggers himself to uh, be our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club. You can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. It's on at 7pm this Wednesday night. Aggers from home with all his thoughts on the current game and his life and everything like that. And it's in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, so it is a really good charity to support. worldsbestcricketclub.com. Join us next Wednesday. And it's been a fascinating few days of cricket generally, hasn't it? With uh, lots of runs being scored, wickets falling and injuries sustained as well. Yeah, and Ben Stokes and Dominic Sibley, both with uh, broken bones and Stokes out for up to three months. And we knew he was going to miss the first test, or almost certainly going to miss the first test against New Zealand in June anyway because of his IPL commitments. But there will be no IPL commitments now because he's out of the IPL, which is bad news to the Rajasthan Royals, his team, 
and it's bad news for England uh, for the rest of the summer. But it does look to me, just looking at the timeline, as though he will be ready for the first test against India. And if you look ahead, you'd probably say that first test against India or that test series against India is the main focus of the summer, really, uh, for England as they look ahead to the Ashes as well. Well, also, got to take on a, a tremendously talented Indian side. You're you know, coming and looking for victory for the first time in, in quite a while. So you, you'd imagine that Stokes would be back for that. And I, I was just thinking, you know, if he if he played the whole of the IPL and, and missed the, the first two tests against New Zealand or the first test against New Zealand, how much white ball cricket would he play? Would they, you know, look to manage his workload, especially with that India Test Series coming up, the, the, the World Cup T20 in India and the Test Series in Australia? So, you know, I, I wonder how much he would have played in any case uh, this summer. And, but then, of course, there's Dom Sibley as well, who looks as if he's... Uh, broken a bone uh, you know, which is obviously irritating as he tries to cement his place for the first test match you know, get plenty of runs uh, for Warwickshire so you know, one or two problems we highlighted it uh, last week you know, about the sort of focus on England's you know, batting places as far as the first test is concerned I note that uh, James Bracey got a good hundred on the second day of uh, Gloucestershire's match against uh, you know, a decent Somerset bowling attack uh, down at Taunton, I watched some of that uh, yesterday. I, I watched him just nick off just before the the close of play. A ball was just angling across him from the right armour, nicked it through to the keeper. But I mean, Bracey's made scores in both his first two matches so far. He he is definitely someone to watch. Mm. And uh, while you were watching those runs, I was watching a lot of wickets falling at uh, the Aegeus Bowl. <laughs> poor old Middlesex. Poor old poor Middlesex. Old Middlesex. Oh, I know. They, they just sort of go lurch from one disappointment to another at the moment and bowled out for 79 by Hampshire. But at one point, there were 14 for five. And Mohamed Abbas had five for three, and he, including a hat-trick. And he was just... It, actually, it, it's a batsman's nightmare, I think, to have on a slightly helpful pitch with a new Duke's ball, to have Mohamed Abbas at one end and Carl Abbott at the other. Uh, and they just bowled immaculately, especially Abbas. Just got the ball to nip and, and jag enough and kept trapping people LBW. It was a brilliant bit of bowling. And funnily enough, it was, uh, it was commentated on by my old friend and colleague, Kevin James, who eventually went down to play for Hampshire, but played for Middlesex for many years. And why I mention that is because Kevin actually took four wickets in four balls for Hampshire himself in 1996 and also scored 100 in the same match. And it was an extraordinary climax to his career, really, because, as I mentioned, he was at Middlesex very much contemporary with me. We grew up together and sort of played for the under-17s and under-19s together. And he was a talented uh, batsman, talented all-rounder, uh, as a sort of 17, 18-year-old. And he just couldn't really get it together for Middlesex. And every time he played in the first team, something went wrong. Either he got the stinking LBW decision or, you know, he chased a wide one and got it, nicked it onto his stumps or he bowled a, a bad spell and got smacked everywhere because the ball wasn't swinging or something like that. And so his, his two nicknames, one, one was Mare Man, because he was always having a nightmare. And the other one was Spikes, which I think um, one of the young players nicknamed him that, because basically he was so far up the coach's backside, all you could see was the bottom of his feet, i.e. his spikes. So, um, And he tried his best to ingratiate himself with captains and coaches and so on, and just couldn't really get his career together at all. Moved to Hampshire sort of had a, a reasonable career with Hampshire and then, you know, almost when his time was up, he had this incredible day against India, 
taking four wickets in four balls, including Tendulkar and Dravid as well, and Mandraker, Sandra Mandraka, and then scoring 100 in the same game. I mean, what an extraordinary turnaround. Obviously the highlight of his career. Well, you'll definitely thank you for, for mentioning one of his nicknames, Jos, uh, on, on this podcast. What was, what, was your, <laughs> what was your best ever sequence in terms of uh, you know, wickets in balls? You, you, probably, you probably took two wickets in 60 balls once, didn't you, in a, in a, in a championship match? <laughs> Um, I, I did. I did. I did a lot of twos in two, two in two. Uh, never got a hat trick in first class, but I do remember a hat trick I got once in um, in a match in South Africa where I'd flown out to play in Mark Nicholas's uh, team in Durban, club team in Durban. He was captain, and uh, I arrived on the Friday sort of afternoon. Went to meet the team and the the manager and the coach and everything. Went to a party. Uh, after that, Friday night, having flown overnight Thursday night, um, went to the party and uh, the party went on till six in the morning, Saturday morning, uh, got to sleep for two hours. So I'd had two hours sleep in two nights, basically, because of the flight the first night and the party the second night, got to the game the next day, got a hat trick. So uh, just proves you don't need to um, to have lots of sleep to bowl well. <laughs> Well, that, that's the sort of the Ian Botham theory of playing cricket, as opposed to sort of the, the, the Jeffrey Boycott theory of playing cricket. You know, getting to bed at nine o'clock, where boss staying up all night and, and partying and coming out and, and doing it the next day. Just on Mohammed Abbas, I, I sent you a, a cheeky uh, text yesterday, just saying with, with Mohammed Abbas, whenever I watch him bowl, I just think, walk down the pitch and smack him back over his head. He bowls about 78, 80 miles an hour. If you let him, if you stay back in your crease, and this just sounds very simplistic, but I mean, and it is a, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek thought. Why do you, if he, if Mohammed Abbas played IPL or T20, I know it's a different game, batsmen would just be whacking back over his head into the stand, wouldn't they? Do you think, actually, that there is a case for saying with someone like Mohammed Abbas that, because he's going to get you, if you just play in that one way from the crease... He's going to get you. Actually, take him on. Try to put the pressure back on him. Or is that is that far, far, far too simplistic? No, I totally agree with you. I think uh, that that's absolutely the way to play. And a couple of people have tried that. Um, not least Ben Stokes, actually. Not not against Mohamed Abbas, actually, but against Vernon Philander. You might remember he started walking up the pitch to him during that uh, series when South mm. Africa played here two or three years ago. And uh, he made 100, actually, in the third or fourth test by doing exactly that, just putting the bowler off, walking up the pitch, to him, not slogging him, but just uh, putting him off his length. And you also remember Keaton Jennings, actually, uh, when he opened the batting in the second test against Pakistan two or three years ago. Abbas had bowled brilliantly in the first test at Lords, and Pakistan won that test match. And in the second test, Jennings batted a yard and a half out of his crease at Headingley and was told off by the umpires for stepping into the danger zone or was warned that he might be. Um, obviously, the keeper then comes up to the stumps and that makes it a little bit harder yeah. for the batsman to do that. But I totally agree with you. And uh, why not do that? I think maybe some batsmen in the team need to be earmarked to do it rather than everybody deciding to do it. You need a, a Sam Billings you know, a best, somebody who is used to playing T20, perhaps, rather than a more orthodox player. Send someone in from up the order, send someone up the order, you know, from sort of seven or eight, perhaps, to try and do that. The two things I'd say is it's a little bit harder with the Duke ball on a, a helpful pitch, you know, because it does nip around and there are going to be mishits, yeah. even though you, you think you might be able to get on top of him and slog him over mid-wicket. It might come off, but it might not. 
And I suppose the other reason is you can see why Abbas is so successful in this format, but he doesn't play the, the T20s because, well, he certainly doesn't play something like the PSL because batsmen are just going to get on top of him and smack him all over the place. He's just not quick yeah, enough. Yeah. I- yeah, I mean, England, when they played against him last summer, they did come out of their crease, didn't they? And, of course, you're right. That does mean the keeper comes up, and then you've got a decision to make as a batsman how you're going to play it. Of course, it does put a bit of pressure on the keeper. You know, If it's nipping around at you know, high 70s or sort of low 80s, then are you going to miss the miss the nicks? You know, you, you're going to actually drop one or two. So there's that that gamble as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, whenever I see him, I mean, he, he I mean, he's a he's a clever yeah, bowler. Yeah. He's a skillful bowler. But I just wonder if you, if you, it's one of those things. I always feel when I when I see him bowl, if you just wait as a batsman, just wait, 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 to try to see him. There'll be one that just pins you eventually. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, I, I didn't see that. I was watching some of the Somerset Gloucestershire game, but I, I didn't see him take the, those wickets yesterday. But uh, you know. They, he, he got amongst them too quickly for them to yeah, and, and it, come, come up with a different that's plan. That's right, and, and it, it, it's a classic case of actually not making the ball do much, just enough. Yeah. The bat is just, just enough. enough. The yeah. bat is four and a half inches wide, so you only have to move it an inch or two to get past the inside or outside edge, or take the outside edge, and that's what he did. Uh, it was fantastic. One little um, thought, actually, I just remembered about hat-tricks. I was once on a hat-trick at the beginning of a new season because I took two in two against Sussex to win the championship in 1990. I took the last two wickets of the season to win the championship off the last two balls. And so we won the championship. So I was actually on a hat trick the following year, uh, 1991. Well, you know, technically, well, theoretically anyway, theoretically I was. And uh, Where's Andrew Sampson when you need him? <laughs> he, would dis- he, would, he would disallow this story now, you straight know, uh, By the way, Sampson came up with a great uh, stat the other day. I see he said that the Sheffield Shield and the County Championship have both been played since 1880. And this week, I think Monday, was the first time that a County Championship match and a Sheffield Shield match had been played on the same day, which is... A remarkable mm. stat. But That's, going back to my but, uh, silly little story, so I was on a hat trick theoretically in 1991, first game of the season, and I actually was injured, so I didn't play for a, like, about three weeks. And eventually, we had a game at Cambridge where I could get get into the team again. And uh, I got rev- everyone said, "You're on a hat trick, Yozzer. You're on a hat trick, Yozzer." And I got revved up to to bowl this first ball. There was a bit of rain in the morning, so we didn't start till about twelve o'clock. So by which time I was sort of almost hyperventilating with the opportunity bowling to John Crawley, opening the batting for Cambridge. I tore in for this first ball and bowled a wide. What a surprise! <laughs> so what an anticlimax! Yeah, indeed. Um, now listen, you mentioned the, the term hat trick there. Um, mm. We just assume everyone sort of knows that that means three and three. Or if you're a football player, that I'll, means I'll tell you the origin of that. That, that means three goals. Go on. The the, the origin of hat trick was actually uh, a character called David Harris, who was an underarm bowler who played for Hambledon. In the, in the 1760s and 70s, he was an absolute master of landing the ball on a molehill and making it jump up at the batsman and bashing his unprotected fingers. Uh, he got stacks and stacks of wickets with a particular way of bowling. He used to walk up or sort of, sort of trot up to the, to the stumps with the, the ball almost under his chin and then release it in a particular way with a bit of spin and kind of curve on it, underarm, and, and it would bounce on these uneven bits of grass and, and take lots of wickets. And in one game, he took three wickets in three balls 
and was presented at the end of the match with a gold-laced hat for his achievements. And that is the origin of the term hat-trick. Well, I, I was a fabulous story, isn't it, really? And we have all these terms in cricket and all sorts of sports as well. Now, the story has sort of come into the public domain in the last week or so, and I, you knew about this a while back, and I, I knew about it a couple of weeks ago as well, that they are considering, I don't think it's been actually agreed yet, has it? But it's, all, it's out there, whether it will be agreed, probably will be, uh, you, you tell me, that in the 100, that wickets in future are going to be known as outs. So a bowler has taken, as we heard Agus at the start of the podcast saying, yeah, he's taken two outs in this match and that's 12 outs in the competition uh, rather than a wicket. So, is it, so in your understanding, Oz, is that, is that definitely going to happen? Well, it, I think it's still subject to final confirmation and I don't think the backlash that, that's occurred this week will necessarily help that situation but the, my understanding it goes back really to sort of a year and a half actually um, during the winter of 2019 um, I was in talks with some members of the ECB uh, people running the 100 uh, because obviously the 100 was due to start in 2020 and um, I was sort of enlisted to partly at my own suggestion actually to make some video explainers about the hundred to be played in stadia and perhaps on telly as well, uh, sort of jargon busting, basically explaining the game, uh, looking at some of the shots that the players play and what they're looking to do. A little bit of sort of an analytical stuff, but mostly explaining the the art of the game and the new rules and stuff as well with the hundred. And I wrote these scripts to go with this, with these videos. And by the way, the videos were going to be uh, one of the, the sort of themes of the videos was they were going to be using avatars, which were gender neutral rather than actual action from real games. They were going to create these um, almost animations using gender neutral avatars so that these graphics or videos could be used in either men's or women's games. And, the terminology would sort of be explained and the rules and everything. And uh, one of the bits in the script, you know, I mentioned the word wickets a few times, uh, as you would. So-and-so took a wicket and yeah. this is how he took it. And this is, there are nine ways of taking wickets and all that sort mm. of thing. Um, and the, 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 it came back after, with, with, with usually with these sort of projects, it goes through a few phases, people sort of discussing it and then sending back for, for comments and so on. And the comments came back. We're, we're not thinking of using the word wickets. We're going to use the word outs because it's easier to understand. And I was a bit, I was a bit reluctant to, to process this. But anyway, I rewrote the scripts using the word outs instead of wickets. And they seem to be sort of a bit, a bit happier with those. Uh, but that was, you know, over a year ago. And then obviously the, the hundred got postponed. And I think so did the videos. But, uh, you know, over time and over reflection, I, I think that, that it's a mistake. I think using the word outs is completely wrong um, for two reasons, actually. One, that you're, you're using an adverb in the wrong way because out is actually an adverb. It's not a noun. And you're talking about an out. Yeah. And it just sounds clunky. It just sounds ugly. It doesn't work. It, 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 it's, it's grammatically wrong for a start, really. You're making a noun out of an adverb. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly, really, wicket is such a classic word in cricket. You know, it comes actually from originally from the Norman French, 
um, in the sort of 15th and 1600s, the, the wicket, spelt W-I-K-E-T, was uh, a French word for a gate, a small gate. Mm. And that's what they played against. That's what they used as the wicket originally, was a, a small gate with a little crossbar across it. My mother also tells me that the word wicket from sort of medieval language, again spelt W-I-K-E-T, is a small door within a much larger door, sort of at the entrance to a cathedral or something. You get a massive, great big cathedral door. Within that door is a little tiny yeah, one yeah. that you can go through without having to open the great big one. And so the whole concept of wicket is, is you know, goes back in time. It's cricket's connection with, with its past, with its history. And it's a really important word. And it's kind of an interesting word, which has these sort of historical connotations. It started with the idea of shepherds playing uh, with um, with, the, with a bat and a ball. And the wicket was a small gate, which sheep went under. And that was what they used. Uh, it was just uh, probably about two foot high. So the sheep would just get under it with a bar across the top. And that was the wicket and, and known as a wicket because, it, you know, it described a small gate, which sheep went under. So... You know, I just I'm just kind of averse to changing things like that just for the sake of it. Yeah, I mean, an out is it's quite descriptive, isn't it? It sort of gives you an idea of, of what's happening. I was just trying to think about other sports. You know, in uh, rugby, uh, you know, when you get the the, the ball at the uh, <laughs> trying to over the line, that's called a try. Well, I, I mean, that, in a way, that's not very. Uh, descriptive of, of what happens but so everyone knows what it is i mean does rugby have to change from try to something else change to touchdown but of course the bizarre thing is in american football a touchdown yeah is when you get it past the the end line you don't actually have to touch it down so it's all yeah you have these bizarre things in sport they're sort of they're they're really weird i was talking to my 13 year old daughter about this last night i was talking about you know terminology changes and and she She'll some occasionally she'll sit down and watch the cricket with me, uh, you know, on, on the TV just every now and again, and she'll ask a few questions. Uh, she, I wouldn't say she was an avid uh, sort of cricket early teenager, but she will occasionally watch it. And she said, "Oh, I, you know, I will come to a hundred match with you. We'll, we'll we'll see what it's like." And I said to her, uh, "You know, what about some of these terminology changes?" And she'd not heard of any any of these things before. And I told her about third man, and I told her about. Uh, batsman she said yeah of course that, that's like that's uh, duh, that's a sort of no-brainer of course it should be changed to third or third person or uh, batter of course you know you, you've got to have uh, what she, you know what she said gender gender neutral terms and I said to her what, what about um wicket changing to outs and she looked at me and she said no she said wicket is wicket is really interesting it makes me think it makes me curious what is that about it makes me sort of think about sort of trying to work out what what it is all about whereas out is in it she said it's just a really boring word. Anyway, that was just that was her. I mean, that's a little bit of you know simplistic market research, but that was her take on it. Anyway, that mm. that that the wicket is something that that should survive, but um, you know wh- whether it will or not, uh, based on that story, I, I very much doubt. It's it's worth I think at this point we had we mentioned we had Jeffrey Boycott in the in the virtual cricket club uh, last Wednesday. Now. One thing about Jeffrey is people sort of see him as a bit of a traditionalist, and he is. You know, he, you know, he, he likes that high elbow, and he, you know, he's a big devotee of of Test cricket. But also, you know, he's a big fan of of T Twenty cricket as well. And you know, one of the things he said in the Virtual Cricket Club was, you know, the England players who are playing in the T Twenty to make lots of money, 
you know, and everyone expects him to come back and play uh, test cricket. He said, well, I, you know, I, he said, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. You know, he said, you know, at 36, he said, when you finish, he said, no one then offers you, a, you know, an easy job. You know, so, so, so the point I'm making is that, you know, he, you think of him as a traditionalist, but actually he's, you know, he's very pro T20 and he likes the excitement of the game. But this, this was his take on the proposed uh, change from wickets to outs. Marketing men have gone mad, haven't they? They've taken over the game. Businessmen and marketing men, marketing men and PR men and gimmicks, that's all they're interested in, money. They don't have the soul for cricket. I know they like cricket. I accept that. They're all in it. Businessmen, they like cricket. But they've been brought up for a balance sheet. What's the profit at the end? Are we in the black? That's all they're interested in. They don't have a soul and a feel for it like players who've played for years. And... If you look at our game, and it's been the same for a number of years now, the chief executives, the chairman, you ought to do that. How many of them have played first-class cricket? I bet you wouldn't find three or four. So they haven't got the soul for it. How many on committees have played first-class cricket? They're all businessmen. I know they mean well and they love it, but it's not quite the same. I do wonder if they're just becoming too gimmicky. What's it matter what we call it when somebody's out or a wiki? Does it really matter? Is it that, do you think people are going to go or not go because of that? Do you think that's going to encourage more people to go? There's nothing wrong with the game. They haven't changed calling it wickets or outs in the IPL in India, and it goes from strength to strength, doesn't it, Simon? Mm. It goes from yeah. strength to strength. Yeah, more and more. It's still wickets, it's still the stone. Yeah. Still the pitch, we still have one ball. You know, I mean, the ball's the same size, shape. People who watch it in India, they like test cricket, they like 50 over cricket, they like 2020, they love cricket. I saw Michael Vaughan saying, I think he's right, that many of the people that watch test cricket, quite a lot of them are still going to go to 2020, to the 100 league or whatever you want to call it, because they love cricket. Yes, some won't, but a lot will. And changing names, how the hell does that work? How the hell does that make it better? It's barley. <laughs> But, but they are Barmy people. They, they feel they have to do something because they paid a lot of big consultancy money, just wasted money by the ECB. Yeah. That's some players. That's some ex-players who play, who, who really don't want you to pay them. People like me will give you ideas, give you views, because we love the game. We don't want you to pay us for it, like these big consultancy firms. There are plenty of players around who love it. Well, that was a bit of a rant from Geoffrey, uh, but I thought his most interesting point was the fact that the IPL, which is this hugely innovative uh, tournament, it hasn't looked to change any of the cricketing terminology, yeah, and it it draws in huge crowds from both uh, you know men and women, um, from from youngsters, and it, it is you know it is the same game, but you know, packaged in a, in a in a very different way you know, from traditional. Test match cricket. So anyway, th- there's there's the debate whether this is going to happen and how it will be received. It seems to me as though uh, outs uh, hasn't been that well uh, received. It also made me think about what other things uh, we should change if we're being a bit more descriptive about what the thing is. And I thought something like a buy, really, if you think under the sort of ECB logic, has to be an everyone missed it run, <laughs> or 
Uh, LBW needs to be changed as well because that's confusing because it's, it's leg before wicket. But actually, you can be out, you know, bottom before wicket. You can be out arm before wicket. So that should be changed to BBW AFHOG, which is body before wicket apart from glove or hand. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, if you're being really descriptive, which of course is what an, an out is, it's being descriptive about what's just happened. So there we go. I think if we can have outs, we need to have an everyone missed it run and a BBW AFHOG, which would be something like a bubba <laughs> waffog. And uh, that would be really fun to commentate on or with and just confuse everybody even more. And of course, that's the contrary to the objective of the 100, really. I mean, I'd just say one thing about the IPL. I mean, they have, of course, introduced the phrase or word maximum or DLF maximum, meaning a six, uh, which is about the one, the only thing perhaps they have changed. It's now an unacademy six, isn't it? Uh, so sponsors sort of attached to it. The thing about a maximum yards, though, is it's, it's, it's wrong because it's not. We all know it's not a maximum, is it? A six is not a maximum. You can get a seven. We've all seen matches where there have been sevens. You know, where you you run three and then there's four overthrows and it's a seven. I saw I saw a game once where there was an eight. You know, where a, where a no ball <laughs> yeah. a no ball was hit for six. I mean, yeah. six a, a six is quite descriptive. But also, because the other thing as well is you talk about you know that six runs. Um, you, know, you talk about the hundred and confusing people. That's six runs, but of course you don't even. You, if you hit a six, you don't. You, you don't have to run at all. So I mean, you, you all these mm. things. You know, sometimes life, sometimes life is a little bit complicated, and there's nothing wrong with that. You sort of have to accept there's a bit of complication in life. I mean, you know, you being an airline pilot is probably complicated, but you, being a you know a lab researcher is quite complicated. Sometimes you sort of have to you know cope with. Uh, complicated things I suppose I, I yeah. agree I agree things need to be explained totally I think things need to be yeah, explained I, that's the key I think it's explaining yeah. it better I don't think they need to change everything it just needs to be explained better and by the way I, I suppose one of the confusions that's that's always occurred with the word wicket which we're sort of essentially talking about here is yeah. that it's used in three ways yes it's used exactly as yeah. the stumps and by the way, the origin of the stumps was that those shepherds I talked about at the start used to play sometimes with the stump of a tree as the wicket. Uh, so that's why the, you've got the origin of the term stumps. But um, wicket is also used as the pitch. And I think that's wrong. That shouldn't mm. be. The pitch is the pitch. It's not the wicket. But people do. But we talk about sticky wicket, wicket, don't we? Well, we talk true, about sticky that, wicket. That, that, that's be... true. But that's a sort of a, a bit of a kind of quirky kind of yeah. phrase isn't it in a way should be sticky um, pitch he or she's pitch. on a sticky it pitch it doesn't it, it's not yeah. quite as um uh, sort of lyrical is it sticky pitch no. somehow and the other the other ra- reason it's used of course is for a dismissal when the batsman's out <laughs> um going back to the the the, the original concept so when the batter's I, my out, view, when the batter's out when the, when the batter's out so <laughs> i would use dismissal and actually in my uh, reworking of those video scripts that i did I used the word dismissal because I just thought out right. sounded ugly and out. Mm. So I prefer dismissal. The batsman's being dismissed. And that, that is a simple sort of explanation. So uh, what I don't want to see, I suppose, is you know a sort of um, version of that tea towel that you can get from some tourist shops, yeah. which are mainly aimed at American tourists about cricket, which is, you know, the batsman comes in until he's out and then... When he's out, another one comes in, and it's just in and out all the time. And I think it just it, it sort of dumbs down the game unnecessarily. 
Here, here's something then for the hundred. You, you think about fielding positions. We we touched on third, third man, third person uh, earlier. What the, the fielding positions are quite confusing, aren't they, and complicated? I mean, some things you sort of have to learn. Unless how, how do you how would you explain uh, to new people coming to the game uh, gully or backward square leg or deep mid wicket or or long on or extra cover? I mean, they they are not. Sort of obvious. Uh, it's not like in football, is it? Where if you say, you know, I play centre midfield, or I play left wing, or I play left back, those are sort of those are quite descriptive uh, positions. Um, well, I mean, cover cover's not so bad because the original idea for cover. Well, you're covering the whole field, though, aren't you? I well, mean, you well know, extra everyone, covers and extra bit of cover on one side. So everyone's cover covering, was an extra though, aren't they? Cover. Gully was the man who stood between. Slick I know what it cover. was. Yeah, I, I know what I know what it was, but how do you how do you they're not outs is trying to be descriptive, isn't it? That, that's basically what it is. It's, you know, what you need outs, is my field not... shield. You need my field shield. You need everybody to have it. Well, the field yeah. shield I showed on Channel Four, and we'll go we'll go through it all. And I completely agree. You know, third man is is, is not gender neutral, but I, I, some of the some of the kind of you know fielding terms are a bit confusing. But in the end. They don't really matter. It's just a field where a fielder is, really. I mean, and, and I, what is more interesting is where the fielders are, not what they're called, in my view. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And on on television, of course, um, new spec and at the ground, I suppose, uh, new spectators coming to the game will be able to see where the the, the person is standing, the, the the male player or the woman player, you know, will be standing in the in the in the various games. Uh, so, you know, in a sense, you don't necessarily need it, but as a commentator. You might need to say, oh, you know, that was, you know, such and such is fielding at, at deep cover or deep backwards square leg. And that might, you know, in, in, uh, the ECB logic is that will that will confuse. So do you, do you need new terms or is it just a case of you have to learn the terms in the same way that, you know, as I say, if you want to be a lab researcher or an airline pilot or a doctor, you sort of, you have to learn the terms. You know, there is no easy route. Sometimes in life there isn't an, an easy route. There are some difficult things that you have to do to get where you, you want to, to, to yeah, arrive. I mean, and, I mean, look, fundamentally, in the end, the success of the 100 is not going to be determined by whether you call a, a wicket an out or a dismissal no. or, or whatever. The, the success of the 100 is going to be determined by the players and the standard of the competition and, and also mm. a little bit on the, the, the kind of promotion of it as well and the fact that it, you know, it might be on free-to-air some of the time and so on. But in the end, it's about the quality of the competition and the quality of the players. If the players are up for it and if the players really put the put, put in, then it will be a good uh, event. It'll be a good competition, and people will love it, and they won't care what uh, whether it's called a wicket or an out. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. The, 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 it's got to be exciting sport, hasn't it? And that really uh, captures the imagination. Just going back to my daughter, actually, one one other thing she said. I said, "Oh, they're going to be there are going to be men's and women's teams in, in the hundred And she said, "Why can't they play together? Why can't you have a mixed team of of, of men and mm. women?" That that was just yeah. that was just her instinctive reaction. Why can't you have yeah. you know five well, I, five I, I men five that. men and six women? Yeah, and that's that's going to happen. You know, I mean, I, I think it's more and more likely to happen. It, actually, we're we're doing a big feature on Sarah Taylor in the next issue of the Cricketer Magazine, and I'm going to write a column about it, saying that in a way, a, a, a female wicketkeeper probably has the most chance of playing in a mixed team or in a men's team because you don't need strength and power so much in men's cricket as a keeper 
you, you need, you know, balletic movements and nimble feet and good hand-eye coordination and speed and stuff, which obviously Sarah Taylor has in spades. Uh, you know, uh, over time, as women get stronger and, you know, nutrition improves and all that, I can quite see women playing in men's professional cricket. We've already had, actually, on our virtual cricket club, uh, Sophie Eccleston. Sophie, yeah. Yeah, and and she, and she Jack Leach admitted she had a better action than he did, mm. and I, I she loved to play men's cricket, and she was a bit worried about uh, facing fast, but ninety mile an hour fast bowling. But aren't we all? So uh, I, I don't know. I, I can see it happening. Yeah, yeah, and that was the one thing I tried to explain to them, my daughter. That is about you know, the, one of one of the things about cricket. One of the sort of anomalies about cricket is that you can be the best player in the world. Um, but there are two disciplines in cricket, essentially, aren't there? Batting and bowling, and you can you, so you can be a you can be brilliant at one, but absolutely rubbish at the other. And uh, bat, batters don't have to bowl, but bowlers do have to bat. So you can be a you know a great bowler, but a rubbish uh, batter, and you still have to go out and face the top bowlers in the world. So if you had someone that was really poorly equipped, you know, you could have a there could be a you know a danger element there definitely, especially especially mm. at this at this stage. You you talk about developing the game, yeah, down the line it's possible, um, but you yeah, know, you, you can do, you can over time develop your uh, reaction skills, can't you? You, you go in the nets, and you can, you can crank definitely. out the crank out the bowling machines, eighty eighty five, and you can learn to, you can learn to face that that extra pace, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my my, you know, I I know I sort of mention this quite often, but the experience of my daughter, you know, who's now twenty, but you know, she played in the uh, boys' cricket for most of her school career, opening the batting in quite good standard boys' cricket, where there were Surrey second eleven bowlers bowling at her, bowling sort of high seventy mile an hour, sort of early eighties. She preferred that cricket to girls' cricket because it was faster. And she could use the pace of the ball. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, girls' week tends to be a bit slower and you have to make your own power. And she absolutely loved playing boys' cricket. She found it, you know, exciting and fast and, you know, sort of dynamic. Um, I can see that, you know, developing, happening more and more. So on terminology then, you know, just to sort of sum up, we, we're, we're, we are having to, we will change, um, you know, batsmen. I see Crick Info today saying we're no longer going to use the term uh, batsmen it's going to be batter from now on in all their copy and i i, I can see that happening in yeah in, in that's cr- fair in, enough in in the future in cricket commentary you know we will move to to batter i mean it will, it will take a, a while because we are so used to, we have been so used to using the phrase batsman and third man it, it, it does actually quite aptly describe the kind of batting that you get in <laughs> t20 as well there's a lot of battering going on isn't there a battering of bowlers it was amazing that match um the uh Rajasthan Royals chasing yeah. trying to chase 221 and just failing I mean in a t20 game 440 runs and they they missed out on the last ball but wow it's it's well it's, it's not much fun being a bowler but I suppose one for 40 is is the new <laughs> Two for 20, isn't it? Well, yeah, I wouldn't quite go that far. It depends on what game, but yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. My only only, um, beef, if you like, with the word batter... Is it's 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 a very it actually makes me think of you know fried fish. It's just so quite (laughs) it's just quite an inelegant term. But I don't see what the alternative is uh, really. I mean, you could have bats person, but I mean, 
I don't know. I, you know, I think batter will. Well, it's, it's starting to come. It's, you know, it's much more in now than it ever used to be, of course. And I think over time, it will just it will just seem natural in the way mm. that perhaps third will, or you know, I don't know, third person, or whether we have to think of a completely different um, name for the fielding position, mm. th- third, because it, it it's actually again, it's not it's not really very descriptive, is it? Third, I know I know what it is. I know where it came from. It was slip gully and then third person. Behind square well, no, on the offside, is that right? No, it was wicket keeper, wicket keeper, slip. Right then, and third, right. the third person, yeah, third man was actually the third person next to wicket keeper and slip. Yeah, and then eventually, over time, third man ended up on the boundary. Yeah, rather than sort of in the cordon, if you like. I mean, God, there are so many words, aren't there, <laughs> in cricket? And I, I think that's the thing that makes it fascinating. And I want to write another book about jargon busting. <laughs> Well, you you started it off with with jargon busting and trying to you know and your mission to I- explain the game to people and you did that very successfully on on Channel Four and that's a, a really good thing and this is in a way I can see this being a a next step but um, outs well it, it well it'll probably become part of the vernacular and we'll, we'll get used to it in the same way that people said oh you should never put names and numbers on the back of shirts in, in first class and test cricket but now you, you watch a game of test cricket or first class cricket and you, you barely notice it and even, I think even the, the die hard opponents probably go well actually it wasn't such a, an awful thing after all but, um, but there we go you know, things change and we've, we've done our whole during lockdown last year we did the whole series on you know, great big changes to the game and we, we listed them and it, the game is always changing and, it, and it's always evolving and largely speaking I would say for the better well listen we'd love to hear what you think about this so why don't you email us yeah. to the analyst podcast at gmail.com the analyst podcast at gmail.com and um, we'll read out the the, the best uh, observations from your emails in our next episode I think that's it for this week don't forget we've got uh, Jonathan Agnew in the world's best cricket club on Wednesday night and I'll be going up north actually next week to film with Mark Wood and Adil Rashid for our documentary The Greatest Game about England's 2019 World Cup triumph so in our next podcast I'll reporting back on that experience actually one of the things about making a documentary is it does take a huge amount of time we've been doing it for nearly two years now and we're only starting filming this week so uh, lots of uh, quite interesting stuff to reveal about that Hope you can join us on Wednesday night for Jonathan Agnew. And I think it's fair to say, Simon, over and out. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.